A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Happy Saturday to you, Dan. Yeah, Saturday after Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, is it all taken down at your house? Oh, no. It stays nope. up until Epiphany. Stays up for another... Week, approximately. Yeah, yeah. Now, you have a real tree. Yes, we do. So the how do Jabba you... the Hutt tree. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were saying that. What? It's just super... It's very wide. Very wide. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound terribly appealing. Does it, it look is not, nice? No, it does not look particularly appealing. Really? (laughs) Why did you get it then? Well, it didn't look that way when we got it. You know, the branches were all kind of pulled up and, you know, it had just been taken out of one of those netting things. And as it's relaxed, it's gotten bigger and (laughs) bigger. Isn't that the story? That's the story of life. That's my complaint, too. The more I relax, the bigger I get. Yeah. Anyway, so yours is still up. Oh, yeah. Christmas was good by your house? Yeah. Yours? Yeah. It was very nice. Very nice. Uh, I, I think I did really well. I achieved what I wanted to achieve. I use a spreadsheet sheet to achieve Christmas. <laughs> to make Christmas perfect, you need yeah, a spreadsheet? Yeah, I've got all the presents numbered and in order so, oh, so of how wow. they should be unwrapped. Oh, man, and there's if, a protocol. Well, yeah, because they build on each other sometimes, and if you go out of order... You kind of wreck everything. Right. Yeah, right. It I don't know if that's out. true, but I tell myself that. Yeah, it, it makes it all worthwhile People if you People think do that. I'm a little, a little bit extreme there, but <laughs> it works for us. <laughs> anyway, today we got a lot of stuff we want to talk about. We're going to talk about a table project that you tackled. It's, it's funny, but yet there's a lot of stuff that... Yeah, that a lot you can of good learn stuff from there, it too, yeah. and apply to a lot of a lot of projects in our homes. And we're also going to be in the studio. I'm going to be in the studio. It's an old interview where I'm talking with Haley Johnson from Benjamin Moore about how to choose the right gray. And we're going to show you how you can figure out the undertones in the gray before you get it all over the walls in your house. Yeah. But right now, we want to talk about what? This was your idea. Outdoor, yeah. making the outdoors comfortable. Yeah. You know, being outdoors in the wintertime, creating a comfortable environment to hang out. Yeah. We just did Christmas at mom's house and did it in the garage slash out on the driveway. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want to do in December. You know, I know, I've talked to a lot of people that are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So. so this segment should have come about two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So how do we but, how how do we next year? Well, God we've still got winter we left. It's not just That's Christmas. True. That's true. How do we warm it up and right. make it a little more palatable? So I think there, there's lots of cool little options out there for different kinds of heat sources mm-hmm. outdoors, uh, fire pits, that kind of thing. Um, some of them are propane powered. Some of them are natural gas. Some of them are um, wood. Um, so, oh, so literal fire pits. Yeah. But I, but I know what you're going to talk about, and it's not like a fire pit that's a permanent. It's a portable fire pit. Yeah, right. All these things are, are semi to very portable. And uh, so it's a great way to make a space a little more comfortable outside in the wintertime. All right. So run through the list of them. Okay. So let's start with the thing that I recently purchased, which is a, um, a essentially like a coffee table. And it has, a, the center part has got like lava rocks in it, and there's a burner in there, and it hooks up to a propane bottle, and 
and it throws off this pretty little fire. Wow. So and you just put your paper plates right in there when you're done? <laughs> yeah. It's not good for cooking on. Oh, it's, a, okay. it's great you're to look at. You're not roasting hot dogs over that? <laughs> no, I'm, no, we're not. But not I, well, you never say never. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you How know, does that do for heat? Does it, it throw out some heat? It does throw out some heat, but it might not be enough to heat an entire space or okay. to keep people really warm. It looks great, and it is cool, and it has the added benefit of having sort of a, a little ledge that you can set a drink on or something like that. Yeah, you showed me. It literally is like a little table. So. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, Lots of options there as far as shape and size and those kind of things. Um, moving on from there, you can go into more of a patio heater like uh, you see at a restaurant, outdoor restaurant, um, where it's got a hat over top of it, maybe like seven feet tall. Yeah, something it looks like, like that. A, almost like a mini street lamp kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, those are propane powered as well, and they kick out quite a bit of heat. Now, they're kind of tall, so... Um, you say that and look at me like, <laughs> what? I can't You might not one? be able to light it. You might need a ladder. <laughs> All right, or a reaching wand. <laughs> right. Um, but those are do a great job of putting out heat. Obviously, they're not there for looks. They don't right. look great. Um, there is something that's kind of in between, which I don't know if you've seen these ones that are like a glass pyramid. They're maybe like five, six feet tall. Sure. And it has a big column of fire inside this sort of glass pyramid. Wow. It sounds like something from a movie. Yeah. I've seen them at restaurants and stuff too, and they're really cool. They don't throw out as much heat as the ones with a hat on top. Okay. But so the street lamp looking thing throws those out are the more best. heat. That's yeah, the best. That's the best for the tall type that throws off heat. Yeah. All right. There's these other smaller ones like Mr. Heater is yeah. a brand. Yeah. And uh, I love the naming on, on their products. They've got the big buddy. In the little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right. From what yeah. we read, the big buddy works a little better than the little buddy. It makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but. <laughs> Again, propane power. Yeah. Um, and very portable. And Easy. that one's using the little camp size yeah, propane tanks, yeah, like right. for a little camp stove or something. Right. Or uh, like, a, like a propane torch right, size. Right. Yeah. And those work really good too. Um, the other option that doesn't involve propane would be a solo stove. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but there's these, these stainless steel cylindrical looking fire pits. Mm-hmm. It's smokeless, apparently. Yeah, they burn very efficiently. Yeah, I wish we had more time to go into those. The, the one, the downside that I read about those is that they, they generally throw the heat straight up. Oh, right. There's not a lot of radiating heat from those. Right. But they are really cool portable fire pit options. Right. And we're going to explore those on another segment sometime. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So there's a lot of different options out there. If you're looking at more get-together, you know, New Year's Eve is coming up. (laughs) That's right. And if that's going to be outdoors too, maybe it's time to head out and check out some of these portable heating options. They don't burn through tons of propane. No, not any more than a gas grill. So yeah, check them out. Now we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're in the studio with Haley Johnson talking about the right gray. That's all next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and I am in the studio with Haley Johnson, hardware development representative from Benjamin Moore. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> you drove out, and, and it was kind of funny because you were a little late I was. for the interview. Yeah. 
And it wasn't even my fault this time. Normally I'm running on like Haley time, as my family likes to call it. But this time it was the train. Okay. I swear there was a train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I meant to say you, you were delayed by the train or stuck by the train. And I actually said hit by the train. <laughs> And you jumped right all over that and told me, yeah, you clawed out of the wreckage. and It's the... that important, this radio show. That's right. So you got here, you know, your car, we'll get that figured out some other yeah. way. Who cares? It's just a car. That's right. It's just a car. We're here to talk about paint colors and that's what's important, right? Yes, exactly. And what we wanted to talk about today is picking the right gray because, you know, working in the stores that I've worked at, at Repco Light and Port City Paints, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you see it with your job. There's this idea out there that gray, gray is the just, magic color. Right. And that there's yeah. just a gray. I want right. a true gray. Yep. You know, and Yeah, that word true is a little tricky. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And and yeah. people sometimes, at least in my experience, struggle when they, they think they found the right gray, they paint it and now they start to notice some issues. And it's very frustrating. It is. Well, and that's why sampling is so key always, right? But especially I think with some of these neutrals where the undertone doesn't really become very present until it's larger. And the color changes so much just based on that scale. Plus, with grays, because we're dealing with things that can have a blue undertone, as things get larger, the more blue we see in colors. So you look at the chips, and it Mm -hmm. looks one way. Exactly. You start to see a larger sample, and now you pick up more of that undertone. And then on a wall... Yeah, or a whole it room. becomes too much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you work around that? What are some things that people can do to at least you know identify? So I guess let's start with the undertones. Right, and I think comparison is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the store, making sure that you're comparing a lot of different neutrals next to each other. So I've got a cool gray, one that maybe we think of as true, even though those are often the ones that go blue. Finding some warmer. Things that might even look beige to you. Mm-hmm. If we start looking at beiges next to grays and warm taupes next to grays, it's very easy to start seeing the differences in those colors. And then that's just going to help you narrow down on which undertone you're looking for, right? Are you actually looking for a blue-green undertone? Are you looking for a warm undertone? And usually it's those warm grays that are the truest, quote-unquote, grays mm-hmm. out there. They're not going to lean super blue. They're not going to lean super yellow or orange. They're not going into the beige realm still. They're just the most neutral. Right. And and the undertone thing is interesting because you know, some people get exactly what you're talking about and other people don't. You don't see that in the chips. But that's why when you put them side by side, yep. you know, find the ones or the few that you like yep. and then bring other ones in. And exactly. it doesn't matter if you like them or not. Right. Just other chips from around it on the yep. rack. And that's when you'll start to see. Right. Just by comparison. By comparison. You can also look down the chip, depending on how the chips are. Some some chips start with a lighter color. Right. And then work their way to yep. a darker version, perhaps, of that color. And some of them are just similar depths of color. Right. But exactly. it's just a number of different tones on the chip. Right. That one doesn't work for what I'm talking about. But if you look down the chip, yeah, if it's one of those it's graduating ones. Yeah, just tints and shades of the same family. Yeah, then you can, by looking at that darker, the bottom chips, or as the chips go, as it yep. goes down the chip, you'll see where the undertones are going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you it definitely, I think, or whatever. is easier to see sometimes in the darker colors. So that's mm-hmm. a good point to make, too. Yeah, so you've got that. That's one place to start, is to figure out Yeah, have exactly some chips next at. to each other, but then also having a white background. And this is really easy at a Benjamin Moore retailer, because the Benjamin Moore color chips are actually set up where they have a white base deck. When you walk up, there's full-spectrum lights that are above the chips. So if you have 
these multiple color chips that you've picked out so that you can compare them to each other. You have them on a white background now, and there's full spectrum lights to give you a true representation of that color. You're kind of in the realm you need to be, right? There's not a bunch of other colors that are going to be reflecting off of those chips now that are going to change the appearance of it. I like wearing red sweaters during the winter, mm-hmm. and I can't hold chips too close to me if I'm talking to someone about oh, them. Oh, the red? Yeah, it reflects onto okay. the color chip, right? Everything you so show there's all has these a pink things. undertone to it. Exactly. So let's say you look at that. You look at it in the lighting situation that you talked about, mm-hmm. and you can see where the color is going to go. Right. But that's not necessarily the end all either. No. Because your lighting yes. is different. So how do you address that? That's where this, uh, you know, looking at it chips at home helps, mm-hmm. but also the color samples, don't you think? Absolutely color samples, because even the texture on your wall can change the way that color is going to look to you. Those color chips are very smooth. Um, light is being reflected off of those very consistently. But once you have these kind of dips and high points on your wall that look very small to us, but ultimately they're changing the way that that light's being reflected back to us. And that light that's being reflected back to us is the color. So if we're changing the way that it's able to do that, mm-hmm. we're ultimately changing the color. So not just seeing a large color chip, like an architectural color chip, but actually seeing the color on the texture of the wall that you're going to be painting is key. Right. And Benjamin Moore has sample pints you know, relatively inexpensive, but you can get it in any Benjamin Moore color, yep. and then you can actually apply it to the wall. Exactly. And it's definitely the way to go. It, you know, not a, people don't really like to do that. It, it doesn't feel fun because it feels like I'm wasting money a little bit or right. something. You know, why am I buying these extras? But if you can narrow it down and find the right color mm-hmm. and not end up painting, I mean, th- those are some of the saddest conversations in the stores. When right, exactly. Painted a room. And it's pink, you know, in the end or whatever. And it's because of how the color reflects or is displayed in their setting. Right. I would much rather spend $15 on a few pints Mm -hmm. and know that I'm picking the right color than spend $60 on a gallon of paint that I have to end up repainting over. I mean. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like you said, the color just changes. It can change quite dramatically. Exactly. In our spaces. So you should get it on the wall. You know, and we've we've always talked about painting some sample boards that you can put up, but that's helpful. But like you mentioned, the texture on the wall exactly. does make a difference. So it's not the end all either. So no. get it on the wall and then look at it in different lighting. Yep. You know, I would not... usually recommend putting it on multiple walls in the room that you're going to be painting because the direction of light makes a big difference. You know, what direction the sunlight's coming in from makes a big difference. Shadow, we want to know what that looks like to mm-hmm. the color. So I think the best practice is getting it on the wall, putting it on multiple walls. And it doesn't have to be anything huge. I think like a two by two foot sample on the wall is perfect. You can go smaller than that if you've already done a big one and you feel kind of confident with the color already. Mm -hmm. Just do smaller samples on the other walls, right? Just paint out a couple strokes just to make sure. Right. And one other thing to consider there is the color that's already on the wall. Yep. That's true can change your perception. You know, if you can block that out a little bit when you try to look at it, because it will make certain colors look... Just like we were trying to isolate it in the store when we were looking at it with that white background. Definitely, if we've got a crazy yellow on the wall right now, Mm -hmm. that that's why we're trying to put a neutral gray (laughs) over it. It's going to change the way that gray looks to us just by comparison. And I think even when you're sampling multiple colors, 
that comes into play too. If you're doing all the samples right next to each other, right on top of each other, your ability to change the way some of those colors look to you, it starts to blur things a little bit, right? Because right. you're going back to the comparison. Mm-hmm. Maybe you only like this in compared to this other color that it's next to now. We've noticed um, beiges, for example, will really... Uh, I've ha- had customers where they'll pick out a color, mm-hmm. they'll go home, and they'll do this. They'll paint a little section on the wall, and they'll come back, and it's just way too pink. It's way too pink. And sometimes that's very clear. We understand what they're saying. you know. But sometimes, I remember thinking, a couple of them that really come to mind, I didn't see the pink. I wasn't right. sure. And finally... I figured out what's on the wall that you're painting. You know, you put this on the wall. What? And it was a green color. Of course, yeah. So it really brought out the exactly. pink undertones. But once the wall was completely covered, yeah. the pink went away. So all of that is stuff to be, you know, taking into mind when you're looking. You know, don't come in and assume there is just a standard gray. Yeah. Right? There really isn't. No, there's not. There really it totally isn't. depends on your lighting situations. There is a color of your pewter that I think most people at this point are kind of familiar Mm -hmm. with. It's every real estate agent's favorite color. But I've seen it look like kind of a taupe Mm -hmm. in some people's homes because it's a warm gray. But then I've seen it like in my mom's basement, for example. I didn't recognize that it was Revere Pewter. It looked like a cool, cool gray. And that's not what you see when you're just looking at the color chip. Right. So the setting plays so much of a role, the exposure. Mhm. You know, you know is it north facing, south facing, yep, east west? That can temperatures play in. of light. The the light that you have. Yeah, right. The the bulbs themselves. My son just got a a, a lamp and then put in one of those like super sterile white <laughs> yeah. lights, you know, it the room feels terrible at night. It's you know it's like when you go to those hotel bathrooms now that have like the frame of light around the mirrors. Yeah. It's always this like really white, like bluish light. Right. And you turn the light on it, you look dead. I know. You look dead in those mirrors. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, see I like my light in the bathroom when I'm examining myself in the mirror to be dim. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, you know, a little yellow. It brings a little color, you know? Mm, Like the jaundice look. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I exactly need. I I haven't figured it out exactly yet. And one of these times, I do want to get you back because we're about out of time on this one. You had mentioned that there's right colors and wrong colors for your bathroom in a conversation that we had had. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny because you... I didn't know where you were going at first until you talked about how the color behind you can really make you look terrible. Right. Exactly. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe that's part of my problem. Yes. So if I it's just that the bathroom. Out, it's the bathroom color. It's yeah. not actually It's you. not me. No. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, picking the right grade, there's a lot more we could talk about, but that gives you some basics to start with. Exactly. And if you have any questions, stop out at any RepcoLite or Port City Paint Store. We'll give you a hand, help you find what you need. All right. Awesome. Haley? Thanks so much for being here. This is a really important show. It is important. I mean, grays are important. <laughs> it's right. Right. Thanks for being here, and we'll have you back sometime. You, you passed the test. All right. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about a wood finishing project with a lot of little twists. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. 
Well, Dan, you're working on a project that I want to talk about. I've been watching your process and progress as you've been stripping down a table, like an yeah. old yeah. library, library table. table, desk yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I want to get into all of that because I, I know that there's a fairly interesting story behind where you got it. And there's a lot of interesting things that we can pull from this. And I think it's fun to talk about because especially, you know, this time of year, you know, people sometimes are looking for indoor projects, things to tackle. And, you know, just going around, finding a unique piece of furniture or something. And whether we strip it down or sand it down or just repaint or whatever, it's fun to take something that looked one way that maybe wasn't ideal and turn it into something really practical, usable, or just really cool in our setting. A fun project. Fun in the setting. So I know that from what you've dealt with, there's a lot of things we can learn and talk about. And I guess I want to just start by, I'm not sure how to approach this because it's such a big topic. Right. You and I tried to talk about this once a while back, and I think we ran on for 30 minutes. (laughs) We can't do that this time. So trying to narrow it down. Let's talk first about what it is and where you found it. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this is is good because this applies to just about anybody that might have a a potential project or a need for a project Mm -hmm. is how to find that thing. And in this case, um, it was a friend of mine, a family friend of ours, um, was having a barn sale. Mm-hmm. And I was just helping her set up this barn sale. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this horribly... No, no, no. I've got to stop you, Dan. Yeah? Because you have left out, unless you're going to get to it, but you've left out what I think is the hilarious part. How long ago did this barn sale happen? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it was about 30 years 30 ago. 30 <laughs> years ago. It wasn't last week. No. Yeah. It was so, a long time okay. ago. Yeah, yeah. All right. And you're working on it now. Right now. 30 yes, years ago. Right. So first lesson everybody can take to heart. Is you if don't that ha- has been right. you, you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> right. If you've got a project like that, that you had great intentions. Yeah. It's, it happens it, to it, the it best can, of us. Right. It can still happen. And it just happened to be this table's turn. Yeah. So you found it at this it's, barn sale. Yeah, right. And, and I was helping her set up and I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this. It was horrible. It was pink. It's mm-hmm. painted pink, but it's this beautiful carved, carved legs, big, thick, heavy legs table and it's kind of unique it's not a dining room table it's not a desk it's some it's a library table yeah. really is the best thing to call it and I, so i could i could see past the horrible pink and i just mentioned to her boy that's kind of an interesting table and she goes well do you want it you can have it you know before the sale starts you may just take it so i thought oh, okay yeah good you know it'll be a good sure. project for someday <laughs> someday <laughs> someday so i took it and it has Followed me for the last 30 years. 30 years. Moving from place Sometime to place. Sometime in 1990, yeah. Dan stumbled on the table. And now yeah. in 2020. <laughs> now we're going to turn it into something. Good grief. What does it take to be an antique? 50 years. Right, that's technically yeah. So you've almost owned it long (laughs) enough. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, so the thing about the table that I think is fun is just the story of how you found it, and I think that's half the fun of these projects. Sure. You know, in and of themselves, it's great to get a great result and a piece that we can put in our homes. But half the fun is the search, right? And and finding that right thing. And the thing that's so interesting about that search 
and we've talked about it over and over on the show. But the thing I love the most about it is you can go to a furniture store, you can go somewhere, pick out a piece, bring it home, and it works just fine, and it looks fine, and it's beautiful, and it's all those great things. It does what it needs to do. Right. right. It's perfect. I, and I get that. I understand that. But there is something about that piece that you had to move eight boxes off of and, and kind of brush the kitty litter or whatever. <laughs> was, you know? And, I don't want to go to your house. <laughs> no, it's not my house. It's at this place oh, where I, where right. I buy okay, things. Yeah, the, and it's dusty and it's cobwebby. But you see, like you're saying, potential. You, you see through the pink. You see through all of that. Yeah. And that, that does take a little bit of skill. You know, you right. need, you need a little bit of an eye for it, maybe. An eye for it, but everybody can be trained to do that. You can train yourself to do that. And everybody's taste is different. What might appeal to somebody might not appeal to somebody else. Well, and the fun thing about it is to look at those pieces when you're when you're in those settings. Look at them with the idea that there's a lot that you can do to change what it looks like now. Yeah. Yours is painted. Right. It doesn't have to stay painted. Right. It can be stripped down, and you can go with a stained and varnished look. Return it back to what it probably did look originally like originally. Looked like, yeah. So there's the search part of it. Now, you get it back... And 30 years pass. Right. It so, has been used as, a you know, uh, uh, various different things. Storing boxes in the basement. You mm-hmm. know, it, it never got actually used the way it was intended to. It was always just a, something stuck in a corner. Yeah, sure. So um, when the, the whole coronavirus hit and everybody was stuck at home, um, we needed a spot to have a home office. And let's set up a little spot for a home office. And then the light bulb goes off. I've got this pink table. Yeah. Let's let's fix up the pink table. So the project started with in mind. Uh, let's get rid of the pink. Let's strip the pink off. All right. So let's talk about that. What did you? Because we've got a little bit of an issue now. Uh, what? When did? The heavy-duty chemical strippers. But a year ago, they bec- they were banned for commercial sale. The right. ones that contain methylene chloride. Right. So the ones that really stunk, burned your hands, but really worked. Yeah. They're not not as readily available. You, you or can't not get them at all. at all. No, not at all. Right. Right. So there are other options though that are viable that mm-hmm. are really good. Um, might take a little bit different techniques, but yep. um, and they're safe. And so, so, what did you go with? Citrus strip. Okay. Is, that's a very common one, and it gets a lot of good reviews. It works well. Yeah, we've got that in the stores. It doesn't smell. It doesn't burn your hands. It's not flammable. It's, right. It doesn't work as fast as the other. No. And there's ways to deal with that. Right. And the cool thing about the citrus strip is that it will remain wet for a while. See, strippers generally work best before they've dried out. Once they've dried out, they're not as effective. And the citrus strip allows you to brush it on, and it will stay wet to some extent for about 24 hours. And you can extend that by... Putting a piece of plastic over it, you know, a Mm -hmm. saran wrap or something like that. So you did all that and started working at the paint? Yeah. Trying to get that paint off. Yep. And I had to use the plastic in some places. There's some heavy carved parts sure. that I wanted to keep them wet really long time. So I know you used, what, what, was it a butter knife? Is yeah. A butter knife? You're, a butter knife you came works in really and said, good. Yeah, that's the, the trick. Yeah. That works really good. It's got that little bit of serration, you know, that little rough spot on a butter yeah, knife, yeah. which is good for getting in little cracks and stuff. Okay. So that worked really good. And also um, toothbrush. Toothbrush works good for getting into all the little carved areas stuff like that. So right. I took my time with the citrus strip to get it back down to what it was supposed to look like originally. Right. And that's where 
this process gets gets interesting as well because that's where things went off the rails. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> Did it go off the rails at well, that point? Well, yeah. Um, I would say that the the bright pink um, prevented me from really taking a good close look at this piece of furniture. And there's probably a, a reason to pause right there for a second, and let me interject with: there is that concern anytime you see something painted. You know, an old piece that's been painted under there. Yeah, there's generally a reason. Now, it might be just they wanted to change a color. Right. But a lot of the times it's because there's an imperfection or something that occurred that was hidden by paint. Let's just paint this. Tuck that in the back of your mind. Paint will hide a number of imperfections. Could be a good thing. Can be important down the road. What did you find on this? Well, I found that there was some, uh, the top was somewhat warped. And what it did is it prevented this little skinny pencil drawer from opening and closing well. Okay. And it just didn't look good. Mm-hmm. So um, we had to go through a pretty extensive process of flattening that tabletop. And I used some big woodworking equipment to do that, stuff that a lot of people probably don't have access to. Okay. But it's not that that's the only way that that could have been done. I did it so that I could return it back to its original condition. Right. You bought veneer, new veneer yeah. online. Quarter sawn, white oak veneer, just like the original tabletop had. Right. So you'll return it to that look. What other things could you have done if you needed to? I could have made it out of made a new top out of new wood and solve that warpy problem. And then, you know, I could have painted it. Right. A different type of wood, whatever. See, and that's the thing. That's another big lesson, or I don't know if lesson's the word you want to use, but it's something we can take away from, from this experience and apply in our own because you've got a process. You know, you go on the search. You find the piece. You've got a vision for what you're going to create. You've fallen in love with it. All of you, that is cool. Yeah. But you've got to still deal with the discovered reality. Right. And that means when you've taken off the pink or whatever, you're going to have to adjust to what you find because you will have to. There's going to be things you find that you didn't expect. We did a desk, Betsy and I, that we should have seen some of this stuff when we bought it. But it had uh, the the legs had rot on them in the back of it. We didn't see it from the front, but in the back. So when we started stripping it down, we ran into that. And we've got these big rotted areas. So we had to use that Minwax epoxy wood filler that we oh, carry. Oh, right, which is super heavy duty. Yeah, that super heavy good. duty. And we built a little what would a mold around the oh, legs. Sure. They were just squared, so it was pretty easy. Filled it with that stuff, let it dry, sanded it, and then painted it. Right. So we had to adjust. Right. You know, in our situation, originally, maybe we were planning on no, varnishing it. In our situation, we were going to paint it. But oh. we did we did think that if if we had been planning on staining it, we this would have caused us to yeah. change because while those epoxy wood fillers or wood fillers of any kind usually will absorb stain, they don't absorb it the same as the wood next to it. So painting that was was our big thing. What we ran into on ours was a, a discovered reality that spun towards the positive. Oh, because I was going to say discovered reality. That sounds like it could be neutral, but it's always in my mind been negative. Yeah. On ours, it was really positive because the top of the desk was actually walnut. Oh. Somebody had painted this beautiful walnut. And when we got it stripped down, we couldn't believe the beauty of that wood. So we adjusted our process. We were going to paint everything. We ended up painting the whole desk black and staining that top a a rich color. And the whole thing turned out beautifully. But the thing is, you just have to adjust. You have to roll with those discovered realities. Right. Don't freak out. 
don't figure, you know, the project's a waste. Right. There's always a solution. I've sat on that thing for 30 years, and now I have to throw it away. Yeah, that's right. I'll just move <laughs> it back in the corner. Now, all right, there's more to say about this, and we'll get into it on the other side of the break. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And Dan, at the end of that last segment, we were talking about, you know, a, a furniture refinishing project that you tackled. Yeah. And basically, we worked our way through the project and got to the point where you stripped off a bunch of paint and found some new things that you hadn't quite expected. Right. Some some adjustments had to be made some, to the plan. Right. Discovered realities. Yeah, yeah. So you had to adjust. And that's what we ended with, talking about how there's always a solution. Right. You know, there's always something you can do. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Because, well, because I do know a story where um, somebody found this beautiful piece of furniture at a garage sale. It was a great price. It was really heavy, but they snagged it up, brought it home, and we're always going to re- restore it like this, but just ran out of time. So she hired a contractor, one of the contractors we worked with in the store, and that person went out there and had to give had, had the, the horrible job after inspecting it of telling the person it was just particle board with, oh, with the little the you know contact over paper it, over oh, top like of it. Yeah, one. it wasn't even real wood. Oh, yeah. That's uh, disappointing. So, not everything can be completely right. salvaged. So, the, one, the worst case scenario would be it's time to find a dumpster to throw it in. Right. But most of the time, you can solve the problem. Right, right. So, now let's move into just products that you would use if you've tackled a project like this. And let's get back to specifics with okay, yours. table. You've got a table. Yeah. And we get all kinds of questions about tables. What's the right thing to put on there? Now, yours isn't going to be a dining table. No, it's going to be a desk. Um, but, you know, and so a part of this has to do with my my reaction to the discovered reality, which is I wanted to keep this piece all wood, mm-hmm. all naturally finished wood. So I had to rebuild some of it. Um, so my intent is to stain it. But there's a lot of situations where that might not work. Um, if you have water rings or some sort of blemish on the top, it's very common. It's very right. common. And uh, so then in that case, what I probably would have done is gone to a paint. But in this case, I'm going to use polyurethane varnish over a kind of a dark brown stain. Mm-hmm. Now, the water ring thing is important to mention because... A lot of the times, those you, you can't get that out right. easily. It, it can't even sometimes be sanded out. Right. And stain doesn't hide that. In fact, it, it stain could maybe amplify that. Right, right. So in your instance, stain and a polyurethane varnish, yeah. that'll hold up remarkably well. Yeah, as a desk or as a dining room table. Okay, now, well, let's talk about that because we do get questions all the time in the stores and online and in my emails where people are working on a dining room table. Mm-hmm. And okay, so let's say they want to uh, keep a natural looking wood top, stain, polyurethane varnish, that will hold up. Oh, yeah, that and will hold up great. How will that do with hot pans and stuff? Well, you should never put a hot pan right out of the oven. Dan, I like to put hot pans <laughs> well, wherever because normally I grab them with wet. Um, or, like paper towels no, no, or no, something? No, no. <laughs> Wet oven mitt things. Have oh. you ever done that? That will transfer the heat instantly. Oh, does it? In. No, yeah. I've never done that. It's terrible. I've always used dry ones. So then there's always this run to you know try to get it to the table quickly. Okay, so Not yes. very many finishes will withstand that. Pot holders on the table or, or trivets helps, or something. Right, yeah. um, certain finishes like lacquer or shellac or some of the other things we've talked about in the past, they just don't cut it. They're not resistant to moisture, to water, to chemicals like... Uh, 
alcohol, food stains like mustard or ketchup or coffee. Right. Um, that's where polyurethane varnish really really shines. And that's something that is a very easy DIY application. Oh, yeah. Very forgiving. Right. So if, if that's the way you want to go, that would be perfect if you want to paint that top. Right. What would you recommend there? Um, there I would look for something a little bit harder than a normal latex paint. I would use something like the Benjamin Moore Advance, which mm-hmm. is that hybrid... Modified Elkid. Right. Um, something along those lines. It's harder, more resistant to um, attack by chemicals, that kind of thing. Right. So that will work well. Again, use the hot pads. Use yes. the little trivet. Use a trivet. Now, we weren't going to talk about this, but it does bring up something to mind that I get asked quite a bit. People will paint the table, you know, they'll, they'll, or, or whatever. Maybe it's kitchen cabinets or something, whatever. They'll put the right paint on it, and then they want to put a polyurethane over top because they've heard of all the benefits of the poly. Oh, like it'll give added protection or added something. Added protection because it, it will just hold up so well. Right. Not a good idea, right? No, it doesn't really get you anywhere. It's, it's basically putting the same thing on that you already put on, only instead of being pigmented, it's clear. Right. And now you've got issues potentially with touch-up down the road. Yeah, discoloration poly- yeah, over poly- time. Polyurethanes can yellow right. over time. The only time I would recommend that is if you do like a decorative painting. You know, I've seen some really cool furniture that's been transformed with decorative painting, and then it's not a bad idea to put a clear coat right. over it. Then it works, but if you've chosen the right product and we'll help you get the right product, paint or varnish, it doesn't matter. You don't need a protective clear coat over it right. in most situations. It doesn't help. It doesn't not add right. anything. The last thing we want to hit on this topic before we wrap it up for the day is just the whole idea of stressing the importance of being creative with this. Right. Because that's, that's A, where a ton of the fun comes from, and B, that's where you're going to get a huge amount of impact. And I guess what I'm getting at is there are so many things you can do beyond just uh, taking an old desk, stripping it down, and repainting it or revarnishing it. Now, if that's what you want, that's what your table is, Right. that's fine. That's great. But we took another, an old roll-top desk that we stripped down, and we could have varnished it and you know stained it, and it would have looked fine. But we wanted to paint it. But we didn't want to paint the whole thing. So we painted parts of it, you know, a couple of inset panels. Right. And then we snagged some anaglypta wallpaper, which is a... Very heavily embossed. Right. An embossed wallpaper that's made to be painted. It almost looks like a tin ceiling. Exactly like that. We picked a, a pattern that we liked. It's inexpensive paper, really, when it comes to wallpaper-wise. And you can, you know, any of the Repcolites who carry wallpaper, we've got books where you can check that out. But we put that on a couple of insets in that desk and then painted that the same color as everything else but what a cool look yeah it really transforms the piece transforms the piece and it takes it from being a cool piece in a setting to making it the conversation starting piece yeah in a setting you know using an unusual color perhaps or you know using wallpaper we've got peel and stick wallpaper right that can be again applied to some insets and, and if you like change that. your mind in the future, you can peel it right off. Peel it right off. It's really cool. We've got books in the store. You can check it out. Anyway, there's a lot more we could say, but there's really no more time. If you want to check out this episode again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, do that. I don't know that we're giving out tons of extra cool stuff at this moment, but what you will get is even if you miss the show on Saturday morning, it's still going to be there 
for you to listen to later. Right. If you've subscribed, you'll never miss another episode. And I know that's critically important to the vast majority of West <laughs> Michigan. Right. Don't you I, think? I'm sure. I'm sure they are. You've I got just, a big family, right? Yeah. I like to re-listen to episodes over and over. Oh, yeah. It's just on autoplay in the house all the time. <laughs> anyway, whatever you do today, make sure you have a good one and make sure paint's a part of it. Repco Light and Port City Paint Stores are open until 3. Stop out and see them. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.